Welcome to the Elevate Effect podcast, where we give you the resources to take you from workloads to workflows. I'm your host, Courtney. I'm an online systems educator for coaches. Fueled by cold brew and a love for watching endless reruns of Friends, I'm here to give you the tools and the support you need to scale your business and take back charge of your life and your time. So pour yourself a cup of coffee or a glass of wine and let's do the damn thing. Okay, everybody, I am so excited for today's guest episode because we are with Lindsay Tobias, who is a functional nutrition coach. Um, and I'm really excited because she is actually local to me. And I always love bringing somebody on that's local. It's really fun to get to chit chat, but we're going to be talking about all things health related when it comes to being an entrepreneur. So Lindsay, thank you so much for joining us today. And I'd love for you to just go ahead and tell everybody a little bit about yourself, how you got started and how you got where you're at today. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. As you said, I moved here about three and a half years ago. My husband and I moved to Santa Rosa beach and we absolutely love it. I'm a functional nutritionist and I worked for five years as a um, exercise physiologist before I went back to school for nutrition. And let me tell you, I hated it. Because I was involved in the sector of health that was just aesthetics-based, and I got sucked into that hole hard. So I was the person that was telling you that in order to be healthy, you have to be working out four or five times a week in a gym setting. Um, You have to be counting your macros. You have to be drinking a liter of water everywhere you go. Like bring your own Tupperware, say no to grandma. I don't care if she's crying. You can't have her pie, Um, which is really funny because if you know me now, and I'm sure we'll dive into this today, it is literally the opposite of what I'm teaching and preaching because before I had any letters after my name, I was teaching people the worst health advice that you could possibly give. And it was literally pursue thinness at whatever cost. And that cost was usually your mental health, your emotional health, your social health. Um, And I watched that deteriorate in my own life. I went six years with no period, uh, full amenorrhea. I literally had to bring a pair of leggings with me extra wherever we went because uh, estrogen actually is what's in charge of strengthening your pelvic floor. So I would literally pee myself. Um, I had really thick layers of extra hair on my arms because I didn't have enough body fat to be able to actually insulate myself. And all the while I was posting pictures online. Um, and this is actually before I started keep your plants on, but I was posting pictures online and everyone was paying me to say, how can I be like you? Which was essentially saying, how can I create that same level of disorder because that outcome is so worth it to me. Um, And so very quickly, I realized that I needed to heal my own body. I started working uh, with and for functional medicine doctors. Um, So it was called holistic diagnostics. And that really changed the course of my career because I started to realize that food is not just manipulation. Food is information. Food is medicine. Um, And so my job at that time, I 
got my first certification through Institute of Integrative Nutrition, Precision Nutrition followed after that. And then um, I just finished at the Functional Nutrition Alliance, which allows me to have that functional title before my name, which means that I get to look at and work through root causes of imbalance and uh, root causes of any sort of dysfunction in the body, which as we're probably going to go into today, we call it disease, we call it disorder, we call it dysfunction, but at its root, these are all just forms of disconnection. Disconnection to our bodies, disconnection to our environment, disconnection to our food, disconnection to the people around us. That's all those are. Um, And so right now I'm able to completely switch my business. And for the last four years, um, I have run Keep Your Plants On, where we do functional nutrition course. And we have counseled over 600 clients now on how to stop dieting and to start nourishing their body sustainably, how to understand food and understand their body. So they get to stop following rules and specifically other people's rules and be able to build their own boundaries. So that is super long-winded, but that's how we got here. <laughs> no, I love it. And I, as you had beginning to explain like how you got started, I was like, wow, it's so crazy because just so polar opposite of yeah. you know, where you're at right now. When you were talking about the, oh, the jug of water and don't touch your grandma's pie and all the vanity, as we would call it in our industry, like vanity metrics that we yeah. would be tracking that don't matter. It's just stuff that looks good on paper, but it's not actually serving you. Yeah. You know, that's how that really like comes to my mind is just like something that we're just doing because it's, you know, what we're quote unquote socially supposed to be doing as far as taking care of our health. And so I'm, I'm really excited to dive into the episode today because we don't want to just be putting band-aids on something. And, um, even to kind of like tie it back to my own personal experience, I had, um, I guess probably about two years ago, gone to a functional medicine specialist for the first time for myself, just to kind of get myself back on track. We were going to start trying to have our first baby. And I just wanted to make sure my body was, you know, totally prepped and ready. And that, you know, even just like that first initial blood work that I had done, I had, you know, understood that I had some things like with my thyroid that I had no idea, um, was an actual underlying issue, but I had been experiencing things like hair loss, a lot of fatigue during the day. And, you know, it boiled down to something that I had no idea what was going on. And I had just been kind of, you know, chalking up to, Oh, I'm just tired. Or, you know, this is from something else or I'm stressed, or maybe it was a combination of all those things and adrenal fatigue and, you know, a lot of stuff going on in my body that I had no idea about. But once I actually started to address the root cause, like you had just said, my body did a complete 180, like complete 180. We, you know, fortunately had a really easy time um, getting pregnant with our first child and just a lot of things that came out of that. So I'm really excited for you to kind of continue to elaborate on all this throughout the rest of the episode, just because I know how much of a difference it made in my life to go through something like this. So, you know, obviously as entrepreneurs, you know, some of us are running multiple businesses like yourself. You're also an artist. Um, Mm -hmm. so if you guys haven't followed Lindsay before, um, check out the show notes. We'll also link her art page on there. Um, she's an amazing artist. Um, but stress is something, um, I think most of us deal with on a consistent basis. And it's, I think not just even as entrepreneurs, I mean, just in general life, there's a lot of stressors and we want to find a balance between work and personal life. And something that I know you talk a lot about is the effects of stress and how it can change the way we physically function. So can you kind of share with us a little bit on how stress affects us physically and some maybe just like tips that we can do on a day-to-day basis to start addressing, maybe reducing that stress a little bit? Yeah. So it's interesting. I think in every industry, there's kind of some buzzwords that you hear a lot and, and I'm not sure exactly in your industry what they would be, but for us, it would be, 
usually people want quick tips. And so it, it is interesting because quick tips are going to get you this band-aid effect and yep. they actually can always help, but they can never heal. And so I want to kind of preface with that of even some of the things we go in today, you might feel like they resonate with you. You might feel like you, they don't because in every study that I will talk about today, in every study that has ever been published, you are not in that study. And even if you were in that study, you are not the only person in that study. And with nutrition science, we see a really reductionist approach, meaning that we'll take, let's say that they're doing a study on saturated fat. We have a hundred thousand subjects followed for 20 years, and we're going to look at different rates of mortality based on like uh, basically something that they're filling out once a month of how much fat are you eating with not paying attention whatsoever to any other factor that's going on in their life. So if you die 20 years prematurely and we're just going to chalk it up to the fact that you had an extra slice of bacon on a Tuesday, like it's just so reductionist. Yeah. So I just want to kind of preface with that of like, Hey, a lot of these things that we're talking about today, I want you to take what you can mm -hmm. and leave what you don't really, what doesn't really resonate with you. But tips are always going to help and not heal. And there's always something deeper that I would mm -hmm. really encourage you to dive into. So First of all, when we're looking at stress, a lot of people think that it's almost something that you're not really holding on to. Uh, it's fleeting. It's transient. It's something that kind of like you think about. It only lives in your mind. Uh, but stress is something your body has to do something with. And it's really important to look at why we are stressed. So stress is our body trying to protect us. It's a response to danger. And I think it allows us to almost have a more compassionate approach to our body when we realize that when we are super stressed out, our body is perceiving threat. It's perceiving danger. It, your body is actually really trying to protect you. And so it's interesting because we try and fight stress. We try and turn it off and stress is a signal. So in the same way that if you take your hand and put it on a hot stove, you're going to experience this pain radiating up your arms. Your nerves are going to be screaming at you. What we're trying to do in our modern day culture is put a painkiller on them to silence that pain. And that pain is actually an essential signal. It's saying change something in your environment. And that's what stress is. So in the same way that hunger is an aversive state that causes us to eat or exhaustion is an aversive state that encourages us to sleep, stress is an aversive state that encourages us to slow down or to get away from danger or to pursue safety. Um, and so you can see that our bodies are incredibly primed to be able to fight physiological stressors. So if you are being chased by a tiger right now, your body is going to, your heart rate's going to go up, your blood pressure is going to go up, your blood is going to shunt from your vital organs, and it's going to go to your hands and feet to allow you to run as fast as you can to fight or to flight um, or to freeze, which is a huge stress response that we're not we don't really talk about as much. We usually hear fight or flight over and over and over again, but freeze is absolutely there. And it's usually the one that I find myself gravitating towards when I'm super stressed out. But one of the things to pay attention to with stress is the perception of it. So the perception of stress means that we're either looking at stress. There's only two options. We can see stress as a threat 
or we can see it as a challenge. And our physiological response to stress when we look at it as a threat is all negative. And also at that time, this is why we see when I said our blood shunts from our vital organs to our hands and feet to allow us to run, to allow us to fight or flight, those vital organs that are not getting that circulation means that our immune system is going way down. That function is going way down. It's not getting a lot of energy because it's not a priority. Our digestion is not getting a lot of energy because it's not a priority, which your digestion is taking up about 75% of the energy that you use every day. And now it's getting very little of your energy, very little of your circulation. So this is why when people are more stressed out, they get all these food sensitivities. They have all these GI issues and they say, oh, I must pay attention to what I'm eating. It's not necessarily the food that's entering into your system. It's the system that that food is entering into. And lastly, we see huge changes in our hormones because our hormones are just messengers and they're constantly compensating. So we see cortisol through the roof, adrenaline through the roof, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, all of these are getting suppressed at that time. This is why women are going to miss a period or have two periods in one month when we're more stressed out. So to say that stress is not really affecting our body is crazy because when it comes to our health, what do we think affects our body? Nutrition and exercise. That's it. Nothing else. Yeah. And I'm so glad actually it's like, as you're talking, I'm just like, Oh gosh, I mean, I feel like I'm kind of like not criticizing myself. I'm like, Oh God, Courtney, like pay attention to what she's saying. Like, because it's so easy. I feel like to get caught up in that mentality and associating stress with a negative thing, instead of looking at it as something that's, Hey, this is a red flag. Like something's going on. Like let's pay attention to it. And I think a lot of the times too, it's because we're just like on this grind 24 seven. I, at least I sometimes feel that way, especially now as I'm, you know, running a business, I'm a new mom, you you know, we've got a family, we've got two dogs. Like there's all kinds of things that's pulling and tugging on you, um, to have your attention. And I think sometimes the quick fix, like you said, or like a quick tip is like, okay, well, I'm stressed for, you know, some reason this is bad. I need to do a quick fix or, you know, like these perceptions of self-care now, like that we see kind of floating out into the world, like, oh, that's my fix to stress. Yeah. And that's actually not, you know, yeah. that's not what it is. Even though we think, oh, let's go take a bubble bath or with some Epsom salt, you know, that's my fix to stress. Yeah. Um, it's a momentary, maybe it feels, makes you feel better for, for the evening or for the day. But I'm just like sitting here listening to him. Like, oh my gosh, I'm like resonating with so much of this stuff. And like, I'm not ashamed of myself. Right. But it's just like, oh, I, I can relate so much yeah. to like what you're saying, because I think it's the easy route to just like you you said, put a bandaid on it and, and, and move on. Yeah. And just giving you some encouragement, we have a very negative view of stress. So the way that our mind views stress is like our kids or our work, or, and it's usually a very negative thing, like just overwhelm. Like I, it's an internal response to external pressure. But the way that our body views stress is really, we look at our allostatic load, which is basically our body's resilience. How much can we kind of put on over and over? It's just load. It's not necessarily negative or positive. It's just quantity. And when we look at cortisol, again, a lot of people think that cortisol, which is our stress hormone, is so negative. Cortisol is also our healer hormone. And in the same way, so like when I was talking about that perception to stress, uh, giving an example, there's a study that I love and, and follows. Um, I think there's five participants, but they have them. One of them is going to go into an ice bath when told all of the benefits of that ice bath. And so they go in, they have decreased inflammation, they have increased circulation, all of those fun things, all of the benefits that we know happen with ice baths. So increased muscular recovery, all of those things, cellular regeneration. Then they have someone who's pushed into ice water. 
So one of them is perceived as a threat because he didn't make that choice. He doesn't understand the meaning behind it. So he's actually not going to respond well at all to that. And what they found is all of the negative effects of stress. So here's his body perceived danger rather than challenge. And so in the same way, when we're looking at our stress, if we can find purpose behind it, it really does make sense that we can live with stress. It would be an incredibly unfruitful and unfulfilling life to have this stress-free life. But the big difference, and this is one of the things with hustle culture, is the big difference is oscillating between acute and chronic stress. So stress is incredible to turn on and off like a switch. But when we no longer have that switch to turn off, staying in that state of constant compensation, everything I just listed of like all of those hormonal changes, all of those changes in our body, those are all compensations to be able to help support you short term. But when those compensations become your lifestyle, there's no way for you to function optimally because you're constantly in danger. Yeah. And I think that when you're talking about like the acute versus chronic, do you think that you could kind of like give some examples of what you would consider acute versus chronic stress? Just so everybody kind of understands that part. Yes. Okay. So acute stress would be exercise. Acute stress is something where, um, think about like the changes in your body. And, and one of the most beautiful things we get to do as human beings, we get to be aware. So I want you to think about the changes of your body. When you start running, like think about the changes between before your run two minutes into your run, 10 minutes into your run. And afterwards, your body's actually doing very different things at all of those points. There's huge stress loads on the body, but you were able to ramp up and then ramp down. So just like I was saying before, like stress is an emotion and there's a cycle to it. So there's a book called burnout and I'm forgetting the the author right now, but she gives a really great example of stress as an emotion. So when we look at our crush across the room um, and we see, obviously we just turned like five years old at this point, but I still feel this way about my husband. So, which is amazing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, But if I see my husband across the room, like I'm going to have a series of hormonal cascades that's going to happen. So I'm going to blush. I'm going to get a little bit giddy. I'm going to feel this sudden urge to go and talk to him. Like there's a lot of changes that are going to happen in my body that are going to encourage me to get closer. And then as he leaves the room or as I like start to focus on something else, I'm back. I've followed that entire emotional cycle because now I can think about something else. But imagine if he, this is working from home 101, but now imagine if that person is constantly in front of you every moment of every day and you're still experiencing that same response. Like you would kind of go crazy if you were still experiencing that same kind of full flushed ideology every moment of the day. That's the difference between acute and chronic stress. So it's basically that stressor is never really leaving. And in the same way of acute stress is if you go through a season of your life, let's say maybe it's uh, two days or two weeks where things are really, really crazy and there's an end in sight, or you are able to kind of just wherever you can see light at the end of the tunnel shows you the difference between acute and chronic stress. For chronic stress, there's no light at the end of this tunnel. And what's really interesting is our stress response by definition, it narrows our focus. So it teaches you to have very acute vision and hearing where you are. Um, But when we shift from acute to chronic stress, this means that we lose foresight. 
We lose the ability to have any sort of long-term planning when we're in this cycle of chronic stress because there's no need for your body to allocate energy and your mind to allocate energy to long-term planning when there's immediate danger in front of you. So if there is that tiger right in front of you, you would understand that you're not planning your five-year plan right now. You're just surviving. And that's how so many people are functioning right now because we're taking the tiger everywhere we go, mostly in the form of work, mostly in the form of the cell phone that follows us around everywhere we go that makes work constantly accessible, makes us constantly accessible, and makes responsibility constantly accessible because you could always be doing something. Yeah. And I think that actually like really perfectly leads into like kind of what we're going to talk about next, which is that hustle culture, um, you know, in our space and like any space as an entrepreneur, you know, there's this big idea of hustling and go, go, go and do, 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 and be constantly connected. And this, like you mentioned, can really negatively impact our stress levels. And when we feel like we have to constantly keep going, going, going all the time and surrounded by these ideas of if we're not going, we're not achieving, if we're not going, we're not successful. And that was even hard for me when I had my baby, because I was so used to going, going, going with work. And that's how I associated to be achieving or successful. And I was forced to slow down a little bit. I mean, slow down in a different context, right? I was slowing down from a work perspective, um, slowing down with life because I was, you know, I was at my child's pace. He was a newborn. He was, you know, sleeping a lot and I was forced to slow down. And it was hard for me to kind of connect, like, what's my achievement. And I had just had a baby. Like I grew a baby. I birthed a child. I, that was the biggest achievement like of my entire life. And, and raising that child, I had to kind of start to rewire what achieving was because I had this like burned in my brain of like what achievement and success was. And I've had to kind of like pivot that mindset. And that's been, you know, I was an athlete my entire life, which I, I know you were an athlete as well. And so like you have these perceptions of what achievement and success are and, you know, how do you feel? I mean, we've kind of touched on this a little bit. Hustle culture is playing a role in added stress in this space. And what are some ideas or some ways that you feel like we can combat this idea of hustling all the time? Yeah. When you say that hustle culture is playing a role, I I used to think that it was playing a role, but now I think it's, I mean, I think it's the only player in reality, like it's setting the stage. It's creating the culture. I mean, we're all worshiping the God of productivity. That's how when we say like in America, we ask the question, what do you do before anything else in other cultures? That's actually quite like not appropriate. (laughs) Um, In France, for instance, it's not really appropriate to ask like, hey, what do you do? Because we're constantly trying to recreate this caste system in our minds of like, hey, where do you fall? How productive are you? And all of those things. And I was sharing with you before, like if we look at psychotherapists, if we look at nutritionists, usually people are going to dedicate their lives to something that they themselves have had to heal through. They themselves have had to fix or and like a really negative sense that they, they themselves couldn't fix. So they're just trying to fix for others. So like Carl Jung, uh, he says that about psychotherapists. And I remember reading that and like, that's me with hustle culture is I have to be so intentional about this. And so it's so life-giving for me to be able to repeat this message every day, because I'm not just repeating it to my clients. I'm repeating it to myself. And I know what it feels like to be just sucked into this. And I know what it feels like to feel 
really purposed in what I'm doing and to have this balance that we're about to dive into. So hustle culture is basically like that idolatry of productivity at whatever cost. There's no off switch, which is giving us this really inaccurate and unattainable view of productivity because even if we were working 24-7, you wouldn't be doing that much more. So productivity and efficiency aren't actually the same thing. Um, And hustle culture is trying to teach us that we can be 100% constantly efficient. And that's where I will buck against this hard. So I'm actually not going to fight against hustle because we were built to hustle. We were built, we have so many systems in our body to be able to turn on our stress response and then turn it off. So I'm not necessarily fighting against hustle. It's about learning to prioritize mental rest to give your body intermittent and intentional safety. So hustle culture is basically chronic stress. Like that's how your body is reading it is that, hey, let's bring that tiger everywhere we go. Let's never let it leave our side. Never take our body out of a state of danger. Um, And what we're going to see here is we're going to see really big issues with our energy levels because our cortisol and our adrenaline stores are essentially banks. So I just did a podcast on adrenal fatigue. There's three phases of adrenal fatigue, but just really quickly, we have banks in our body of cortisol and adrenaline we can exhaust those banks very easily. And so that's why we have people that coffee doesn't do anything for anymore because we can't stimulate even synthetically our cortisol or adrenaline levels because they're so exhausted because we stimulate them every moment of every day. There's never an off switch. But what's really interesting is our body is meant to regenerate. Our best source of regeneration is sleep which is again, like hustle culture's worst nemesis. And I have a lot of conversations with clients of what's your relationship to sleep? Because a lot of times when I ask that question to someone who's a really high performer, sleep is unproductive. Sleep is not getting us where we want to go. It's a waste of time. And if we can cut into our sleep time and be more productive, then great. Then we don't have to be unconscious for half of our life. And that's why language is so important. So I ask my clients and I'll ask you this now, like if we switch sleep to regeneration, and then I ask you, do you need regeneration? Not do you need sleep, but do you need regeneration? It allows us to have a view of our body and a view of our habits in the same way that our body does. And this allows us to say, yeah, we, we need regeneration because we are constantly screaming that we have to be doing more. So we're saying, I will feed my body or give my body whatever it needs to perform, but never to heal. So I'm not necessarily pushing against hustle culture. I am pushing against the endless pursuit of more. And I think it's really important to get to an understanding of our value systems, because there are a lot of people that haven't taken the time to think about what they actually value. Craig Rochelle has this quote that I love. Um, He says that the distance between the values you claim and the life that you live is the pain that you experience. And so if we really think about that, if the values that you claim are, yeah, like I'm a family, I love friends, I love people, I'm here to be a part of this mission, and you look at where every one of your thoughts, every one of your dollars, and every one of your minutes are going, and none of them are going to the things that you value, that's the pain that you experience. That's the misalignment. Hustle culture sets us up for endless sources of misalignment. 
I'm like sitting here just constantly shaking my head. You guys obviously can't see on this recording, but I'm shaking my head like over and over because again, I just resonate so much. I actually had just had this conversation this past weekend with my husband because we're all in a tourist destination here uh, down on 30A. Um, and it's, it's high season, you know, it's, it's busy, it's busy season right now. It is and for my husband, he's in property management. And so it is busy, busy season right now. And he is in this constant state of hustle right now. And I mean, he worked seven days a week, 14 hour days the past two weeks. And, um, over the weekend he got sick and I was like, Hey, you're, you're running yourself down. You got to take a break. You got to rest. And, and he's always had that same mentality of like, Oh, I can't rest. I can't rest. got to keep going. I was like, rest is healing your body. Like rest is what's going to keep you going. Like you've got to, you've got to rest. You've got to take a day off or, you know, something because, you know, it's a domino effect. And that's exactly how I explained it to him. Like he started feeling sick. He, you know, he wasn't feeling himself. He was feeling foggy and groggy. And and I was like, you got to slow down a little bit. Yeah. Um, and so I just, I just really resonate with so much of what you're talking about. Also too, we're, we're first time parents, right? Like we're in the trenches of, um, you know, sleepless nights right now. So like when you're talking about sleeping, so important, we had kind of talked about this before, you know, that we started recording this podcast episode. Um, I think that, you know, I'm massively understanding now how important sleep is and what role it plays, not just in like my mood, but how my body's functioning, my hormone levels. And I'm also, I'm sure like things like postpartum and things are obviously play a part of that. My hormone levels were, you know, fluctuating so much, um, you know, after I had my first child, but we're just really starting to feel the effects of the sleeplessness and the constant hustle on top of it, because we're in busy season. Like it feels like you said, those chronic stressors and how that is influencing our day-to-day life right now. So this, yeah. uh, this for me is just like, even just the recording this podcast episode with you has just been like, so eye opening and we're only, you know, halfway through, but yeah, really, really just resonating with everything that you're saying right now. Yeah. Well, I so appreciate that, but it is just crazy because like our bodies are speaking. So like your stress and your body is going to speak what your mouth may not like your body is always speaking to you. And that's why if we can look at our symptoms as signals, Mm -hmm. um, and if we look at like, Hey, getting sick and having this really decreased immune system, um, for runners that have like super overstressed bodies, you are so much more likely to get injured. Like your body is literally looking for ways to slow you down. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the difference between like, if we are going on this like crash diet where we go really low calorie at first, that stressor is really big. And so your body is going to be losing all this weight really fast. And then if your body decides that this is chronic, like this is something that's not just an acute short-term thing that you can mm-hmm. kind of rebound from. And we say that that demand is so much greater than that supply. And this is going to be a chronic thing. This is when we see all of these huge metabolic swings to make sure that you don't lose weight at that rate. And that's what we would call a plateau where people say like, oh my gosh, I can look at a piece of pizza <laughs> and gain weight. It's the okay. same thing. It's your body saying, Hey, if this is chronic, we need to make some bigger changes. Mm-hmm. We need to get your attention. And we have so many mechanisms in our culture right now to silence all of these signals that it can be really hard to feel in touch with our body, especially a lot of people feel like they don't trust their body. Mm-hmm. that their body's not for them, that their body's fighting against them. So they start fighting against it. Like it's this 
this horrible cycle that we get into that keeps us almost more and more dissociated from our own body. Um, and again, stress is a really strong way to do that. Answering your question a little bit beforehand though, cause you did ask like, Hey, like how can we combat the idea of hustling? And I went into a little bit of a tangent, but I just wanted to like highlight that it's resting. Mm-hmm. It's, building safety. And there's a couple of ways to do that. So like when we're looking at tangible ways to build safety, saying to yourself, I'm safe right now is is usually not going to do that because everything in our external environment is communicating otherwise. Again, Mm -hmm. if we have that tiger in front of us and we're just saying, I'm safe, your body's like, you're an idiot. You're (laughs) not safe. Like we're going to keep protecting you, even if mentally you're not protecting yourself. Yeah. Um, so the goal here is release. And there's a couple of ways to do that. Um, I know this is sounds really crazy, but one of my favorite ways of release is crying. So crying actually releases cortisol, but crying is an incredible release. This is why when you see a little child who's having this panic attack or this tension, yeah. temper tantrum, and then you can watch them like cry it out and have this release and this heavy exhale, and now they're able to talk about what just upset them. Yeah, crying is one of the most undervalued things that I I think like adults look down on a little yeah. bit. But when I feel that I'm like having a cry going on, I have clients all the time um, because I I work with. I mean, our health is actually a really vulnerable place to be. Um, yeah, it's not just that I'm telling people eat this, don't eat that. Like that's right. really the least important thing that I do, but I'm talking to clients every day and they're like trying to hold back their tears. I'm like, Hey, how about this? How about you cry it out and actually allow this stress cycle to complete. And then we can talk and then we can actually be present with one another. And I don't care if that takes 20 minutes, you are going to feel so much better when you actually release what your body is screaming at you to release. Mm -hmm. So crying is a huge way that we can actually release a lot of excess emotion and exhaustion. Um, exercise is also a form of relief. And that's what you're going to find from these things that I'm listing is like, we need to release. Like that's the word Mm -hmm. that we kind of have come back to over and over again. Um, but exercise is a great way to release and exercise is not necessarily in a gym. Um, in fact, that's one of the least beneficial ways to exercise. Um, I think you've been talking about not to interrupt you, but you, I, Edward, just talking about what was it? is it green exercise that you were just talking about? Like getting out and exercising outside. And again, my schedule has been kind of crazy, like even getting to a gym because we're, you know, we're home. We don't have, you know, family around us. I don't, I don't have anybody to, you know, watch my child. And so I'm like trying to find creative ways to like get out. And so every day, six o'clock, we take a two mile walk. Like that is the same thing that we do every single day. And that has been like, for me, when I'm getting into these, like kind of a funk, I would say getting outside for me is like the biggest thing that flips my switch in terms of my mood or how I'm feeling is getting outside. It's the first thing I do in the morning. I go, no matter how we live in Florida, so it is hot and it is muggy right now, but I don't care how hot or humid it is. I take my coffee and I go sit on our screen and porch first thing in the morning, because that just is what makes me feel good. Like that's my good, like a good start to my day. So again, so so sorry to interrupt you, but like, I was like, Oh no, she had just talked about this. And this was something that I like personally, super, super helpful for me was, you know, getting outside and being out in nature and in the sunshine. And that has made such a drastic difference for me. Yeah. I mean, literally a whole, like two chapters of my book is just 
our understanding of how we interact with nature. Yeah. Like there's something called Shinrin Yoku or forest bathing. So in Japan, they do this and it, it's literally a, a treatment that mm-hmm. they're doing. And, and Canada's going along with this now. There are some state parks in the US that are actually prescribing, like doctors can prescribe nature walks and they can get into these state parks for free if they're local to them. But we're seeing this over and over again. This literature isn't new, but the assimilation mm-hmm. of this ed- education is very new and, and definitely very far from like the aesthetics screaming conversations that are happening in the wellness industry right now. But like, yeah, we feel better outside. We feel better outside, actually barefoot outside, connecting with the earth in some way, shape or form. And if you don't believe me, I would encourage you to try it. Mm -hmm. Try and stand in the sunlight. And we have two forms of energy or our body consumes or synthesizes two forms of energy. One is light and one is food. And I want you to think about the types of light and the types of food that we consume. So when we consume food that our body does not understand as food, we don't feel as well. Mm -hmm. Yet when we consume light that is synthetic artificial light, we don't feel as well. So in the same way that if we are in a black room all day long with no natural light whatsoever, it's going to be really hard for us to have a circadian rhythm because your Mm -hmm. circadian rhythm, meaning your sleep-wake cycle, your energy cycle is predicated on light, natural light. And most of us are not getting outside ever to be able to actually live the way that we were built to. Um, We are having this beautiful relationship with light. And it's really interesting to start looking at that of like, wow, why am I expecting to have energy when I'm not synthesizing light whatsoever from the sun? When we know that like we are getting this cascade of hormonal reactions every time the sun hits our skin. It's not just that we're getting vitamin D. Yeah. Um, So exercise, specifically green exercise, um, long form affection is one of my favorites. So a lot of times we'll say like, oh, like touch a cat or something like that. But specifically, like if we're looking at a kiss, we see oxytocin released after about six seconds because there's a safety to that kiss rather than like an urgency. Mm -hmm. Um, It's literally like you don't kiss someone for six seconds that you don't feel safe with. Mm -hmm. And in the same way, if we're looking at um, hugging, that happens after 20 seconds. And it makes sense because I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I remember the first time I learned this, I realized the times that I'm hugging my husband. I'm like, no longer, no longer. I need you to stay here. Like long hug. Yes. Every time. It makes sense. So when we like understand why we do what we do, it just, everything kind of comes together. Breathing and sleeping, we get the same response. These are all exhales, no pun intended. Reading is an incredible way to get a lot of mental rest because it's one of the only activities that you can't multitask. Um, So mentally, it keeps your Mm -hmm. mind in one place. Whereas if you're doing the same thing, but you're listening to an audio book and you're doing four other things, it's not as mentally restful because your mind is still flipping, 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 flipping. Yeah. Yeah. When you were talking about the kiss, like before you had even said anything about hug, that's the first thing my mind jumped to is like, okay, when I'm hugging my husband, I always, I'm like, I'm a, I linger, like I'm a linger. I'm just like, okay, don't let go. Don't let go. You know, I, I just want it to last as long. And he always jokes now, like if I'm getting stressed out or like, if I'm, you know, maybe upset or whatever, he comes up and he just gives me a hug and he goes, you release those. I'm releasing endorphins, Courtney. He was like, I'm just releasing them. And he'll just like squeeze me really, really hard. Um, but yeah, I'm totally, I'm on the hugging side right there with you. Um, oh, what you had just said something else. Oh, that made me think of something. 
Oh, after the hugging. Reading or deep breathing? Reading, reading. That is the one thing that I love to read. And that is the only thing that I feel like truly relaxes me in the evening. Um, I think we're in such a habit of like, oh, we're going to sit and we're going to scroll, scroll, scroll on our phone. And I never get to like a state of relaxing. I mean, obviously like blue light, not good, but just the, like whenever I'm reading, I find myself dozing off so much more quickly, which is frustrating because I do want to, I want to read, like I'm, I'm interested in my book and, but I find like more a state of like restfulness, like when I, I am reading yeah. in the evening. So yeah, that's definitely one that works for me. Sorry to interrupt the flow, but this will be real quick. So if you're looking for the perfect project management tool for your business and you have to go check out ClickUp, I manage every part of my business from within ClickUp, including launch management, client management, metrics, team, and much, much more. With a user-friendly desktop interface and a mobile app, I can also take ClickUp wherever I go. With ClickUp, you have a complete customization for your business hub and one platform as a centralized station for productivity. If you'd like to get started with ClickUp, all you have to do is click the link below in the show notes and sign up. Now back to the show. I do want to kind of jump on like, cause I know we're getting kind of close on time, but the, the nutrition side of everything, because we've talked about hustle and you talked about, you know, things to, you know, to take care of your body with the exercise, the light, the, the nutrition. Um, I feel like that's one big piece that I feel a lot of us struggle with, not necessarily. I mean, yes, knowing what to eat, what to consume to provide um, nutrients and energy to our body, but making the time to do it. I think that's the thing I, I know I personally struggle with now because you know, I have a baby. I'm sometimes it boils down to, okay, Courtney, do you, you're going to take an extra hour to sleep or you're going to get up an extra hour to, you know, make a good breakfast, you know, and it's, it's trying to find how do I incorporate nutrition in my body to sustain my body when I feel so, so reduced on time. And I feel like I'm having to pick and choose what, you know, do I, do I take the sleep? Do I take the, the nutritious meal? And so I feel like, you know, and again, you know, Instagram's a quote unquote highlight reel. Right. But I do feel like just even from, from watching you for the past couple of years, you do such an amazing job and, you know, you run your two businesses, you still have a life. I mean, life in itself, that's a job. Yeah. Like I'm not, not job in a negative connotation, but there's a lot of responsibility and things that come with just life in general. And how can we take steps to incorporate nutrition. And I think it's probably going to kind of tie back to a little bit of like stepping back and like not so much of the hustling 24 seven to make intentional time for it. Um, but there's even been so many times I was thinking about this yesterday, cause I was prepping for the podcast episode that I, you know, I ate a granola bar for breakfast because I had no time. I was home alone with, with Luca. He was, you know, fussy. And I was like, I had no yeah. time to make a meal. And I was like, but I need to put something in my stomach. And I ate a granola bar and I was like, man, this is probably not very healthy for me. And so just in general, do you have, whether it's some tips on combating that or how to be more intentional with nutrition, incorporating that into our life? Um, when we all have so many things that we're balancing, um, how can we make that something to put a focus on? So to speak, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, something that I think would might be a little bit more of a root cause is like being able to back up and spend one day time blocking to actually look at where your time goes. I have one client right now that um, she was so stressed out in tears on a session. And she was saying like, I literally have no time whatsoever. And this is also a client who has multiple businesses, each of them have Instagrams. So I asked her, I was like, Hey, how much of your day do you feel like you might spend on social media? And she's like, just a lot, like maybe not that much, but just a lot. 
And her screen time was at seven hours and 55 minutes. And that was just on her phone. Um, And obviously there's also like laptop. She has, again, four kids. Like there's a lot of other responsibilities outside of just running those social media accounts. So I gave her a challenge of like, hey, either let's either hire a social media manager for some of those, or could you take a week off of those? Like what would happen if you did? And she's like, actually nothing would happen. And that's not the case for everyone. But for her, she was able to say nothing would happen. So I gave her a challenge. It was the first time in years that she had taken a week off. And magically, a lot of time crept back in. So she got seven hours and 55 minutes back in every day. And a lot of the things that felt so arduous, if we had kept kind of that peg in our side, a lot of the things that had felt so arduous before started to get a lot easier and almost more so like no brainers. Um, And so when it comes to food, the way that we're eating can have just as big of an impact on our health as what we're eating. Uh, So for example, we're built to eat with others. And commensality is literally like that pinnacle from the dawn of time. Humans eat with humans. Commensality is literally the practice of eating with others. So like I would encourage you of it might be helpful to almost challenge the pace of can I have one meal a day where I'm eating with another person and putting my screens away? Like one meal a day at a table sitting down because often we're usually if we're really busy, we're usually, um, I joke, there's usually a corner of someone's kitchen where it's like, I'm just going to eat at that corner and then I'm going to be standing and then I'm going to walk away. Like this is really consistent. Most people are like, oh, that's only me. I'm the only person that ever does that. No, it's really consistent. And sitting down at a table is an incredible way to change the pace and not have the pace of your day go into your meal. But when it comes to more tangible things, like number one, grocery pickup. Like, I don't remember the last time I walked into a grocery store. Um, I get my groceries delivered every single week, twice a week. Um, And twice a week, because when you switch to eating more real whole foods, you realize the shelf life is much shorter. So grocery shopping on Sunday and then waiting till Sunday again means that you run out of food by Wednesday or Thursday and then feel out of control on the weekends because you literally don't have any food and your blood sugar is dropping and you're hangry. Um, so being able to get like two grocery shopping trips in there by just clicking a button on your phone and getting it delivered and having your environment a little bit more curated to what you want might be an easy way to start. Also, pre-chopped veggies, frozen veggies. Like these are staples for someone who is busy. Get pre-chopped veggies, open it on a sheet pan with a little bit of olive oil, salt, pepper, whatever seasonings you want to have. Mine is smoked paprika every time, a million percent. Um, But like pre-chopped veggies are going to be one of the easiest ways to give you quick food um, that actually is really nourishing. You're not losing any nutritional value there, Um, but we do have three resources. We have time and energy, and then we have money. And so when money is really short, we might need to have to spend a little bit more time and energy. For example, those are about $2 extra for a pre-chopped bag. But if time and energy is really, really short, it might be a time to pay the $7 of delivery fee for grocery shopping and a few extra dollars for produce that's pre-cut. Also kind of looking at pre-made sauces. So this is a really way like dips and sauces are going to always be staples in my fridge. And um, I teach my clients to batch cook. Um, So, hey, let's take one or two 
30 minute segments in a week and let's cook like a few staple things that we can put together with different things. So for example, if we take chicken sausage and we have sweet potatoes and we have uh, broccoli, we can literally open two bags. So open a bag of sweet potato, open a bag of broccoli, have some chicken sausage in there. And let's say that we also have some like chickpeas for some more protein and fiber. We can put all of those with one minute of prep. We can put those on sheet pans, season them, bake them. And then we can put those with different sides and sauces. We can get a chimichurri sauce that we love the ingredients on the back. And we can put that over rice, or we can put that um, with some avocado for some healthy fats. Like there's a lot of different ways that we can make those into specific meals. Smoothies are a really easy way to have breakfast already made. Um, overnight oats are a really easy way or simply just looking at like, okay, in the mornings, my number one goal for anyone with an overly stressed body is can we have coffee with or after food? The reason why this is so important is because we know that coffee is going to interact with the internal environment in our GI or our gut. It's going to be really acidic and it can be really hard on an empty stomach. It's going to spike our cortisol levels and can be really hard on our adrenals. So if we're already overly stressed out, we want to be able to almost just protect that caffeine uh, with some food to be a little bit more nourishing. So in that morning that you had a granola bar, you can definitely find some granola bars with some great ingredients um, or like with the same amount of effort, if you wanted to have coffee, you could also have a banana with some peanut butter on top and your body completely recognizes those two things. They're actually really easy to digest and they help kind of tamper that cortisol spike in the same way. I'm laughing because that's me every single morning. I'm always like, it's coffee and my body is the first thing. And I think that's so many people, right? Like we wake up, we're tired. And the first thing that we associate with getting up in the morning, it's like, okay, we're gonna make a cup of coffee. And I mean, for me, it's not like, honestly, and I don't know now that I've listened to this, like, listen to you speak, I'm wondering like, Oh, does caffeine just not affect my body anymore? Like I can go with or without coffee. I think personally for me, it's more of like a morning ritual, so to speak. Um, and I just enjoy coffee. I like the taste of coffee. Um, I've never really felt like caffeine has had much of an influence on my body. Um, fortunately and unfortunately, I guess, because I would love to be able to feel more awake after I've had a cup of coffee, but it's become more of a ritual. And so it's the first thing I go for in the morning because it's like, okay, that's my signal that my morning has started is I've had my cup of coffee, but like you said, even if it's just incorporating something alongside it in the morning, um, that's better than it just being on an empty stomach. And I think that's something so many of us could improve on, you know, small improvement first thing when we start our day. Especially if our idea of, oh my gosh, I have to be healthy is I have to uproot my life and do everything perfect. And that all or nothing mentality means that we can always start over at another point because if we can't be perfect, then let's not show up until we can. And so my huge methodology is like add in because The all or nothing mentality completely negates growth. There's no such thing as growth if you're all or nothing, because in the all phases, you feel like you're on top of the world. But then in the moment where you reach a fork in the road, where you can quit or adapt, you're always going to choose quit because you want to go back to all. And growth is really actually not as sexy. And like in any area of life, growth is really not as sexy as we think it is. Like it's so hard and showing up imperfectly can be really hard, but focusing on what you're adding in. So like on, if you're deciding to grocery shop, being able to add in 
making a goal of three pieces of produce that you're going to be adding in and having as snacks. Like, all right, those are just going to be my snacks. For hormonal balance, I I normally want to start everyone with like, hey, let's learn to balance your blood sugar, which looks different with every single person. And so again, what we focus on there is where are we adding in? Where are we adding in? Where are we adding in? Because this allows us to get light years farther and to stay light years farther than let's be perfect. You failed. All right, let's start again. Let's be perfect. You failed. Let's start again. Adding in gets us so much farther. I'm yeah. Again, I'm, I'm that person. I'm the all in. (laughs) I always catch myself. Oh, I'm going to do this on Monday or I'm going to do this on Monday. You know, like if I get like halfway through the week, like, okay, well, I'm just going to start over. Monday is going to be a fresh start. Right. Um, and I think it's like, kind of like my cue for myself that like, okay, I've got like a, an end point and a start point. And that's not always, like you said, it's not always a good thing but I catch myself doing that on a consistent basis. If I, you know, for me, it's not so much, I'm not like very focused. It's not like losing weight or anything like that. It's like, I want to be nutritious because I'm also, I'm supplying food for another human being. Like I'm breastfeeding right now. And so for me, I'm looking at nutrition of like, how can I up my supply, make sure that what I'm consuming, I'm passing to my child. And, and so for me, I'm like looking at this perspective and when I mess up, I'm like, okay, Monday's Monday's my start day. Like I've got, like, I've got this time to like recoup and like kind of get a different headspace um, to start again. Right. And I, again, not a great thing, but I totally catch myself doing that on a consistent basis. Yeah. And it keeps us in a very different state between our mind and body mm-hmm. because yeah. while our mind says we'll start over Monday, our body's like, Hey, I still got to metabolize that. Yeah. <laughs> I still got to digest all this. And it yep. keeps us, um, again, it's really hard to have a compassionate response to our body. And that's where I honestly say like self-discipline is self-compassion. Yeah discipline without compassion, discipline without love is just punishment. Yeah. So when we're saying like, Oh, I got to be disciplined. It looks like being compassionate. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a feminine word, but it's not. No, <laughs> no. And it's just like, even what you spoke about earlier with like the crying being a big release. Um, and I think there's, there's such a negative connotation with crying, like in society, yeah. it, oh, it's weak and you're vulnerable. Okay. Well, what's wrong with being vulnerable? Like why is vulnerability perceived as something that's weakness? Because in my mind, if I'm allowing myself to be vulnerable, then to me, that's courageous because I'm opening myself up to the option of, something may or may not go the way that I want it to, if I'm being vulnerable, but I'm allowing myself the space to let that happen. And so I've always perceived it as like, if I'm being vulnerable, if I'm allowing myself to cry, that that's a, you know, a strong thing that I'm doing for myself, where I feel like a lot of the times we've been raised in a society where it's like, you're weak. If you cry, like soldier it together. And, 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 you know, you know, it just, which I, I personally, I can't resonate with that. Like, I can't relate to that because I'm a highly emotional person. Like I will cry like my eyes out over like the smallest thing. Like don't put me up for a movie that has anything to do with a dog dying or anything like that. I can't do it. Um, obviously that's not like in the same context, but I, again, like, I think a huge, huge thing that has been like for me, a release is crying yeah. and, and, and hard for other people sometimes to maybe it forces yeah. it being like something that's a negative or weakness or vulnerable thing. Yeah. I love that. And I'm completely on the same page and, uh, there'll be times where I'll finish a day and my husband will see me get off my last session and he'll see me just be like, who, who, yeah. and then there's like <laughs> start coming down. And it's not because I'm sad. It's not because I like, it literally is just like, this is my response to overwhelm. And this is the response that I have right now. Yep. So like, 
I, I'm totally with you and yeah. not everyone works that way. And it can be very hard for some people, but that yeah. vulnerability also encourages vulnerability from someone else. Um, yeah. Like if I see that you're able to do that, I just got permission that I can be vulnerable. And in yeah. the, the opposite of that, when you hold it all together, when you say everything's fine, I never struggle. You just told me that I can't share with you that I do. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that because like you just said, it is hard for some people. Like it's not the same for some people, like to be very, you know, very honest and transparent. We, my husband and I are very on like different wavelengths, I guess, when it comes to like crying and emotion. Right. And, yeah. and so when we first started dating, it was very hard for him to understand like the crying during overwhelm or during stress, you know, yeah. and it's not like it was a big ball and cry. It was just like, you said, sometimes it's like, Ooh, tears just start coming out. And I have like, I have no control over them. It's just how my body's process is overwhelm. Yeah. And, you know, he eventually, you know, got used to it and like understood ways to like be there and be supportive and things like that. But it was very different for both of us because it was just, I mean, that's not how he processes. Yeah. Um, and something that we had to kind of work together on, you know, as a couple, because, you know, that's what I needed. And I, I had to explain that to him. And then he's found ways now to like be, in a, you know, in a supportive environment, you know, for me when that does happen. Yeah. So, um, but okay. So I know we are, we are over on time and, uh, honestly, like I could probably talk to you about this stuff for days. <laughs> like it's just, it's just not just like, it's such a wealth of information, but it is so, so interesting. And I think it's, it applies to everybody. It applies to everybody, whether you're an entrepreneur, you have a nine to five, you're a mom, you're not a mom. Like there are so many things and facets that you touch on this episode that I just think are just such gold nuggets of information, um, that are also so outside of what you typically see people teaching on, um, when it comes to nutrition and hustle culture and, and stress and, and just taking care of our bodies. And I'm so, so thankful that you came on and talked to us today. I genuinely think this could be like an entire, like mini series of like, <laughs> you know, combating hustle culture, or like just being an entrepreneur and like how we can better take care of ourselves and be more aware of what's going on in our life. And instead of just being like, like a byproduct of what's going on, like taking ownership of everything that's happening in our lives and like really do something with it. And so I'm just so, so thankful that you came on and talked about all of this with us. Um, and I'm, again, there's so many more questions we could go down, you know, um, but for people that, you know, really resonate with this episode, just like I did, how can they get in touch with you? What are ways to work with you, Lindsay? Because again, this is so valuable and so so important for so many facets of people. So what are some ways we can get, get in touch and work with you? Thank you. First of all. Um, so yeah, I mean, the easiest way is you can follow on Instagram at keep your plants on. Um, but I, I mean, we work with clients every day through these things, through whatever's going on in your own personal life. And there's about four years ago, I made the functional nutrition course. So the keep your plants on functional nutrition course, where it's 12 weeks of, I actually teach weekly modules, um, of helping you understand functional nutrition, helping you understand your physiology and helping you again, make your own choices about your body because you're not presented this list of rules. You're actually presented an education so that you can say, Hey, if we're talking about gluten and dairy, not don't have it. But hey, here's how it's uh, impacting your body. Here how is how you might be experiencing some signals if you're having some issues with it. And here's what to do about it. So um, we really try and break it down from in that perspective. Um, and yeah, we then we'll take that 
baseline foundational education and work one-on-one with clients. We work in groups. We have three main tiers. So I work with um, gut health, so digestive imbalances, GI distress, um, and then hormonal balance, which is uh, another focus that we do. So we'll get in group calls and we dive into understanding your four phases of your cycle, understanding your sex hormones, your stress hormones, how to be able to nourish and balance uh, your body. And then we work on food freedom. So this is when we start to realize there's a disorder around our eating. This is where we start to realize stress eating, binge eating, emotional eating, chronic dieting, the all or nothing restriction binge cycle. That is what this group is. And we dive into intuitive eating principles. We dive into how to completely change the way that we think about food and that relationship really utmost to our body. So those are some of the ways that we work with clients. I have a book that's coming out this upcoming year called Maybe We Have This Wrong, and it's the perversions of food movement and community. So those are just a few ways that you can get in touch. I also have a podcast called the Keep Your Plans On Podcast, where we dive into these type of topics all day long. So I love it. And for anybody that's listening, we're going to make sure to link everything in the show notes. So you guys have easy access to everything that she's talking about. If you're interested in joining her course or her program, working with her, um, we'll also link her Instagram handle, um, in the show notes as well. So if you guys want to go ahead and get in touch or reach out, but Lindsay, we were so, so, so thankful to have you on today. Um, and just like with any other episode, we're going to wrap it up real quick with a couple rapid fire questions. So are you ready for your questions? Yes. Okay. So what is your favorite meal? Favorite meal? Um, anything with tahini. I love tahini, which are ground sesame seeds. Uh, probably some Greek like skewers, maybe skewers, maybe a falafel on there. I want tahini there and something just really fresh. That also might be because it's summer, but yes, that would be <laughs> always great fresh in the summer too. Um, what is your favorite book? Or if you can't name your favorite, like top two or three. Uh, can you give me a genre? I'm actually a really, good um, maybe like one personal development and one just fiction book that you just enjoy reading. Okay. Um, personal development would be lost connections by Johan Hari. Um, and again, it, it's more so just like understanding some facets of mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one that's just fun. I just read notes on an execution by Dania Kufakia. And I really liked that. Um, that was like fiction, but I'm really into literary fiction right now. That one is giving me a lot of life. I went through a hard psychological thriller phase a few years ago and read (laughs) all of that. And once you've read five, you've read all of them. So I'm, I'm not into that, but I've actually learned a lot going into realms of philosophy lately have been Mm -hmm. very interesting to me. Okay. Um, and then I'll, the last one is what did you want to be when you grew up? When I was five, my answer was a dog. Um, <laughs> Naturally. <laughs> I, when I was seven, I wanted to be a waitress. My parents would ask me this every year. Um, so dog to waitress. And then when I was in college, just an existential crisis of, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> and honestly, I would say it was just a myriad of I don't knows mm-hmm. until I was actually doing it. Yeah. Yep. That's exactly how I was. I changed my major. I don't know how many times when I was little, I wanted to be Indiana Jones. So um, <laughs> yep, right there with you. I had no idea until I'm doing what I'm doing and it just kind of happened. Um, but Lindsay, um, thank you so much for joining us today. Like I said, such a phenomenal conversation. We've linked everything in the show notes for everybody. Um, and just thank you so much for being here today. So. Yeah. Thank you for having me. 
I appreciate it. Okay. Well, we will see you guys on next week's episode. Thanks so much for joining me for another episode of the Elevate Effect podcast. If you liked what you heard, share the episode with your best friend, team member, or even your dog. If you have a minute, leave a review below or DM me on Instagram to let me know what you want to hear on the podcast next. Thanks again, and I can't wait to see you next week.